Welcome to Trina Talk. This is the podcast where guests share their stories of pursuing their passions, living a fulfilled life, and empowering others. Each week, I talk with inspiring leaders, business owners, and people with amazing stories from around the world in unscripted conversations as they share their successes and failures. This podcast is all about empowering you to keep striving in your personal and professional life. I am your host, Trina L. Martin. Welcome to Trina Talk. If you're listening, go out and subscribe to the show so that you won't miss an episode. My goal here with Trina Talk is to empower and impact people all around the world. So I need your help to do that. Go out and tell your friends, your family, and everyone you know to listen to Trina Talk. There's a new episode every Monday. Welcome to episode 198. The topic of this week's episode is, Do You Have Radical Authenticity? My guest this week is Mac Ling. Mac is a public speaker, transformational coach, and founder of Coaching Collective, an executive coaching company developing leaders in Asia Pacific. The core of Mac's work revolves around helping his clients achieve radical authenticity, the exploration of your authentic self that starts with knowing yourself deeply, then accepting the good, bad, weird, and ugly sides of yourself. And from that place of acceptance, sharing your unique gifts with the world. His coaching style draws from his 20 years of experience working with cross-cultural leaders in both corporate and entrepreneurial settings across the United States and Asia Pacific. He has coached individuals from a wide variety of spheres of influence, including entrepreneurs, artists, business professionals, and NGO leaders. Hi, Matt. Welcome to Trina Talk. Hey, Trina. It's good to be here today. Hey, great to have you with, with me and with the listeners. Um, before we get into the interview, how I always like to start out is I have my guests tell the listeners who you are and what made you the Mac that you are today. <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, and I think I was debating on how to answer this question, but I, I'll go back to, uh, you know, starting maybe when I was in elementary school, uh, middle school. School. Uh, I was a kid who was really sensitive, uh, and uh, subsequently bullied uh, pretty pretty heavily as a kid um, because I cried. I, I was a, a kid who cried on the playground, um, and it was hard for me to really hold in all the emotions that I had. Um, and and I think you know a lot of those experiences shaped you know who I am today because it's interesting. Like all of that sensitivity when I was a kid really wasn't, I don't know. I don't think there was a great place for it or people didn't know how to manage emotions Mm -hmm. in that capacity. I think back in the eighties when I was growing up, I think kids these days have a lot more or people with a lot more resources to do that. Um, So it's interesting. I I really shelved a lot of those emotions. And then I went in to do uh, technology and business and I tried to climb the corporate ladder. uh, And so I gained a lot of skills um, and I think one of the skills that uh, really resonated with me was really working with people, uh, leading people, managing them, like helping them with their careers. Um, and then, you know, I jumped out, I started a few companies, I started a charity. And, uh, and it's then when I really fell into learning about coaching. Mm-hmm. 
and I was trained as a coach uh, through a, a guy in my network. Uh, and all of these skills and all of this empathy and sensitivity that I'd left behind as a child now are probably some of my greatest assets as, as a coach. And I can sit with somebody and hold space. And, uh, and I'm not overwhelmed anymore because I have learned how to like really navigate those emotions. And so I think, you know, it's sort of that balance between having, to, you know, having those gifts, putting them away and then building some other gifts and then now reintroducing those things back into my life has really, you know, sculpted and, and created, you know, the Mac who I am today. Very interesting because um, I was a very introverted, shy kid. Um, And yeah, so it turns out we have a lot of things in common. You know, you're a coach, you're a speaker, and I do some of the same things. But what I was looking at with with your um, bio is you came up with something called radical authenticity. Tell the listeners about that. Thank you. And and I think... So much of that concept comes from my own personal story mm-hmm. and understanding and, you know, really finding ways to be who I am right. uh, and also through the coaching work that I've done. And so I've been a coach for seven years, uh, yeah, coming on seven years now. And, and what's, what was really interesting is that I felt like I was having the same conversation with multiple clients, potentially even on the same day. <laughs> and they all came with different things. Right. And so as I started to piece things apart, I was like, wow, people are really just struggling with, I don't know, there's like a lot of like a lack of self-belief, a lack of a way to spark their own flame. And so there's a lot of, a lot of need for external validation about who they are. Yeah. And so as I was trying to think about, okay, well, what would help people, uh, and trying to at least make it into some simple process, I you know started to think through. Okay, it feels like there's three different pieces around authenticity that would help people, and that's really what's uh, come into this idea of radical authenticity. Mm-hmm. And uh, should I go into that? Yeah, quickly? yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, and so that those first those three steps look a little bit like this. So the first piece is, is really, do you know yourself, and can you start to get to know yourself at a deep level? Uh, as an example, I had some clients, I was like, so what do you like? What do you not like? And they're like, I don't know. I've been told mm-hmm. what to like and not like my entire life. And so for that first part is really getting to know yourself. And you can do that through personality assessments, just sitting with your partner, sitting with friends and be like, hey, like, tell me about me, like the, the real me that you know, mm-hmm. um, and doing some journaling and really getting to know yourself. Number two is then creating acceptance for all the parts of yourself that you've now started to identify. The good, the bad, the weird, and the ugly. And this can get, this is the most difficult piece, (laughs) no question. I'm still working through the acceptance (laughs) of some some of the ugly parts. Uh, And we can talk a little bit more about how to do that. And then finally, once you have that acceptance, I feel like you then have the ability to share your unique gifts with the world. Because then you no longer have to put on that mask and cut off that part of yourself that you don't think fits because you found acceptance for it. And now you can just stand up and you don't have to be an apple anymore. You don't have to be mm-hmm. an orange. Like you can be a dragon fruit or a star fruit or whatever the hell you want to be. And, <laughs> and that's, uh, that's really where it comes from. You know, that's so, um, it's very inspiring. And when I saw that, that really caught, caught my eye, the radical authenticity, because like you said, so many people 
they don't know who they are. They don't know who they are. They don't know what they like, what they don't like. And I touch on this a little bit in my book, and you kind of alluded to it, is that when I was doing my really get to know myself, it was like, you know, that's confronting. You know, you're going, ooh, okay, this is me, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly. And you're like, oh, okay, you know, but you got to do it and learn to embrace that because that's just who you are. You you can't, you don't have a do-over, right? We can't go, okay, do-over, we're going to erase all of those mistakes that we've made and and try it all again. So you have to learn how to do that. And it's just, it always comes from something. So with you and your upbringing, like you said, you know, you being bullied and being an emotional child, how, how did you come to this place where you are today to say, this is what I'm going to coach on. This is my strength to help people. Women of color in tech feel excluded, isolated, and treated as though they are invisible. We have to work twice as hard and be twice as good to get noticed. I help women of color in tech get past imposter syndrome, navigate the obstacles in the tech workplace, and advance in their careers by being confident, showing up authentically, and negotiating the pay and promotions they deserve so that they can represent and remain in tech. If you are a woman of color in tech and you're ready to take command of your career path, then Tech Trifecta is for you. It's my private coaching program and is now open. Enroll today at tlmintl.link forward slash Tech Trifecta. I find it actually it wasn't like an accident. So mm-hmm. I had no interest. I didn't even know that you could be a coach for, I don't know, most of my life. And, uh, and so I'd had an executive coach when I was uh, working at Sprint in the U S um, and we really talked about business things. So I, I didn't think it sort of spanned the range of you could talk about any part of your life. Uh, and when I was trained I was like, wait, so your job, let me get this straight, is you listen to people and then you help them process their thinking. And then you just ask them some questions. They do all the work and you just really like go along the ride for the ride with them. He's like, yeah. I was like, you can make a living doing this. He's like, yeah. I was like, I want to do that. That sounds amazing. That hits on all of the things that I've been doing my entire life. Like I was that, that guy that you would call and you just talk about your stuff with. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that friend in high school, that friend in college, and we just talked for hours and it was a place of non-judgment. It was just, Hey, like what's going on with you? Cause you know what? Like it's probably similar or like strangely different to what I'm going through, but like, I'm not going to judge you for, you know, the stuff that's going on with you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was really a, a nice way to, actually just give me a framework in my mind of, okay, well, if I want to help somebody now and allow them to help themselves, I have a framework to do that and some guiding principles and it, it's been very freeing. And so, you know, I think in some ways uh, I joked about it, you know, when I first started, I was like, it feels like I've retired because <laughs> I love what I do. Mm-hmm. I no longer have to like rev up to go, you know, get to work and like, you know, put on my suit and, and feel like I have my armor on to go into work. I'm just like, oh, I get to show up as me and be me 
and do right. the thing that I'm great at. You know, and I love that, you know, showing up as you at work because me being a woman of color, um, and I think just people of color in general, like you are a person of color, I think we wear so many different faces, right? And we have the face yeah. for when we go to work because, you know, there's preconceived, you know, notions about who we are, what we do. There's the, you know, the face that we have, the real face that when we're at home around our family, our friends, um, the face that we may have to put on if we're at a certain event. So it gets exhausting. Okay. I don't know about you, but I know I'm exhausted. I am tired of, you know, okay, which Trina am I, you know, here, which Trina am I there? And it's just like, you know, yeah, you want to be free. You want to just say, you know what, this is who I am. This is who I am. This is how I show up in the world. Like it, don't like it. I don't care. This is how it is. But unfortunately in the world that we live in, you know, it's, it's, sad that we have to put these kind of constraints on ourselves, right? Mm. That we have to make ourselves fit into a box so that we can be accepted, which, you know, Mm. that's, you know, that's a real, you know, that's kind of, you know, suspicious, you know, word because, you know, being accepted, you're really not accepted, but you're just kind of, I don't know, playing the game, so to speak. Um, So tell us about your framework and how you go in and help your clients with this and for them to actually show up as themselves. And and how long did it take you or what was that impetus for you to say, you know what, I'm Matt, this is who I am and this is how I'm showing up. What was it? Because there's always something that triggers us, right? So what was it? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and I, I'd love to respond to one of the things that you said, and maybe this helps to start, you know, thinking about the framework. Um, so I'm doing this course right now with uh, a guy named Gabor Mate. Uh, he uh, did a documentary called The Wisdom of Trauma, and he has a program called Compassionate Inquiry. Um, and uh, he's written a number of books, but he's basically an addiction counselor. Uh, and he works with people who are addicted to a number of, you know, anything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this, you know, what you mentioned is when we start talking about that need for authenticity and then that need for attachment, those really end up at two different sides. And what ends up happening is that when we choose to be authentic, we then have to sometimes make a decision of whether or not we want to like not choose attachment, right? So you're like, I'm going to stand on my own and be who I am, but I'm going to forego some of the relationships that may judge me, right? So then what ends up happening is, especially as when we're children, is we cut off authenticity. We must choose attachment as children because mm. lo- like a world without love as a child is pretty dark, right? right. So you say, well, I'm just not going to be that person to ch- so that I choose attachment first. Mm-hmm. And the weird thing is that without attachment, we can't have authenticity. So it's this funny cycle where you see it with our friends, right? We were like, mm-hmm. well, you know, if I really want to be me and I want to cut out that toxic friend in my life, mm-hmm. but then I won't have any friends left. Right. So I stay in the toxic friendship. Yeah. And then, you know, like that, I have some other friends who are like, well, why are you still with that person? <laughs> why, why are you still friends? She's so mean to you. It's right. like, but I just need friends. 
And so you see this show up in adults and children. And, and that I think is where, you know, part of it is, yes, we do need attachment. And can we then start to be more comfortable with our own authenticity so that we can then, you know, gain some confidence of, hey, like I can do this, right? And maybe I can go out and find something new. Um, and so, you know, to answer your second question and really like, how do I do this with people? Um, I mean, so much of it is really, you know, can we learn to love ourselves first? Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's a big, big starter. I did not for many years. I still am finding, I'm still on the journey. I'll be honest with you. There's right. no, I don't know if we ever get to this like enlightenment. Right. Uh, and every time I think I have a lot of it figured out, <laughs> I'm sent right back to the bottom. I'm like, oh, there's this other thing down there. Oh no. Uh, and I'm even going through that right now. And and so it's it's painful because it asks you to really examine where you are in your life. What are those beliefs that are holding you back? And uh, and I'll just share very vulnerably. Uh, and honestly, like right now, I'm really going through a problem where I know that there's a very, very deep belief that I'm not worthy to be loved. Mm. Yeah. And it encapsulates everything of who I am. And it's so deep. It's so in my core. Mm-hmm. And so I have to go and do the healing work to try and figure out what can I do to create compassion for myself? What can I do to start to create yeah, this belief, a new belief mm-hmm. that I am worthy of love. And, and that's, that's the hard work. And, and I think that's where like a great therapist can help, uh, especially yeah. if it's so deeply rooted. The work that I do is more around, hey, like, let's just at least get you to do some initial things. Right. Like one of the tools that I use is, hey, you need to go look yourself in the mirror one time a day, at least, mm-hmm. preferably in the morning. <laughs> and look yourself in the eyes and just say, I love you the, just the way you are. Mm-hmm. And I had to do that. Yeah. And I couldn't. It was so hard the first time. I'm like, oh, I don't even think I've looked myself in the eye in the mirror before in my life. So yes. you want me to now talk to myself? Oh, yeah. Yeah. cringe, cringe, cringe. <laughs> um, and I think that's where it begins. It's, it's small steps of let's right. just go in. And do some easy things, easy, easy, simple, but right. simple, but not easy. Right. Uh, and, and start a process of creating some language inside of yourself mm-hmm. that does affirm who you are. And then we can get to the deeper stuff later on. Yeah. You know, and that's funny because I think we're all, well, people who are honest with themselves <laughs> because I'm still doing that work too. And I was at that same point where I didn't think I was worthy, you know, it was like, oh, you know, oh no. Um, and people say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm worthy. I'm this. But I think if you're really honest with yourself, you know, people, you know, you're like, no, I don't. I, am I really worthy of love? Do you know, this is what I want. Will I ever get it? So it's, it's it is. It's a journey. You're always on that process. At least for me, I know I am, too. It's like, you know, I have to really consciously say, OK, no, you're not going to think like that. You're going to think like this. So when you get your clients that come to you, how accepting are they when you say, okay, look, this is what you need to do. You need to look at yourself in the mirror because I was the same way. It's funny because yeah, I don't think I had ever looked myself 
you know, in the eye, in the mirror and looked at myself. I, you know, it's funny because I was looking at a photo of myself some years ago and I was like, what's that spot on my face? And I was like, oh, I have a mole there. And I went <laughs> and I was like, oh, that is a mole. That's like, it's not, a, you know, imperfection in the photo. That's me. And, you know, and I felt so stupid because I was like, how did I not know I had this mole right there? But, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, look at yourself. And you don't know. <laughs> so it's very funny. Exactly. So how how are your uh, clients when they come to you? Do you get people like that? Or when you say, look, you need to do your mirror work, you need to get in your mirror and say you love yourself. Are they like, really? Is that really is that what we're doing? How accepting right. are they? Um, so I think my style and I hope many other coaches style. So I, I prefer not to tell somebody specifically something, mm-hmm. right? So the path to get there is first, it's, it's a lot of question asking of like, okay, so like, let's unpack what you're going through. Mm-hmm. And the intention is really through the question asking of going deeper, like, Hey, like what's behind, I don't know, you, I don't know, like you not showing up to that party, you know, like what happened? Right. Mm-hmm. So like, what were you feeling? What were you, what were you, what was going on with you right then? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and what would you rather done? Right. And so if, as we can start to help, as I can start to help clients see where they are, how they're showing up, maybe some of the underlying feelings and emotions behind their actions, they, I think people are generally, you know, wise enough to get to this belief of like, okay, so what's, what's really at the bottom of this and be like, yeah, I just, I don't know. I really don't think I like, like myself that much. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, great. I don't have to tell you, right. Cause you now came to it on your own. And I think that's when the most powerful realizations happen is that when you get to it and you get your own aha moment and I don't have to tell you anything. Mm-hmm. And then from there, once you can get to that, insight on your own, then we start to get into, okay, well, what do you want to do about it? What, what would be great if you did love yourself? Mm-hmm. And then we start to really build a new future around that possibility of you saying, yeah, I do love myself. And actually when I do love myself, I could probably yeah, go try out for that. Like, I don't know that show that I've been really wanting to like to, to be in or like go apply for that job or like go talk to that girl or whatever it might be. And you're like, okay, so now we have some pieces that you can start to make some progress into it. And so then the question really just is, well, what's the first step? What do you want to do first? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes people come up with stuff on their own and they're like, I'm like, great. Mm -hmm. And then if they really get to this, I don't know, I really need help. Then I have this one thing. And I'm like, it takes five seconds. Mm-hmm. And so if you really can't think of anything, I'll give you one thing and then we can start there. Okay. But, uh, but it really becomes one of those, like, I would rather not give it to you. Right. Right. <laughs> and Make I'd rather you, you determine it. something. You're like, I'm going to go and like, yeah, journal every day and do this thing. I'm like, okay, great. Awesome. And yeah. you go on your way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, and that's, that's a, you know, good coach. That's usually how they do it. Um, so, you, you know, your business is a coaching collective. You do your public speaking, your coaching, um, and you're in Hong Kong, correct? So I am. So you're developing leaders there. Is it, is it different than working with people in the States? Hmm. 
So I think the nice thing right now is uh, most of my most of the leaders I work with uh, generally work for U.S. or like global companies. Okay, and they just happen to sit in Asia somewhere. Okay. So I'm I sit in Hong Kong and I get to work with people all the way from probably Australia to Europe. I don't work with that many people in the U.S. anymore just because of time zone. Right. Um, and and I think the the benefit also is that because I was born and raised in the U.S., I spent a lot of time in the U.S., like I'm culturally American, right? living in Asia where I'm also Chinese. I also understand an Asian context. So like helping people to bridge some of those gaps mm. um, has been very helpful and being able to speak both languages, right? And yeah. code switch into whatever I need to, um, you know, to be um, and help people to code switch. Um, yeah. And so the, I don't think the people are so different. I think mm-hmm. We are just a, we're just a different product of the culture that we were raised in. Mm -hmm. And so I think we all have the same wants and desires, the need for security, the need to be loved. And then how that shows up is really different. So my American clients are just like way more, I don't know in your face, like, let's just talk about stuff. (laughs) Ah. And then my Asian clients, like, sometimes it takes a little bit more prying and you're like, okay, like, you know, trust is harder to develop with my Asian clients. It takes a little bit longer. Uh Um, Yeah. So it's all the same, but all a little bit different. Yeah. And it is, we're all the same. We all want the same basic needs in life. Right. We all want to be happy, be loved. Um, So yeah, it's just, it's very, um, very, very um, eye-opening when you think about it. Um, And I've traveled the world and I got my master's in international business. I was in the military for 30 years. So I've traveled to places and I've seen the different people and different cultures and of all the places I've been, I'm like, yeah, we're not so different. You know, people go, oh, well, you know, you're there. And it's like, well, no, everybody has the basic needs, you know, you may be on a different side of the world and you may speak a different language, but I think when it comes and boils down to it, we're more alike than what we want to believe. Yeah. Spot on. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, in your journey, so, I mean, like I said, I love hearing the success, but I also love hearing some of the the, the bumps along the way, because that's life, right? I mean, yeah. everybody, you know, everybody wants to live the Instagram life, right? The best, your best life with the filter and, <laughs> you know, I'm looking good. I got my hair, you know, my makeup is flawless, but that's not real, you know? So, you know, yeah. in your journey, you know, what have you come across um, that makes you continue to do this? What have you come across that may have been a hurdle or maybe with your coaching? Cause you know, like you said, you're still a work in progress. We all are. Have you come to a point where maybe you were helping a client and then you were like, Oh, that's a trigger for me. I need to work on myself with this. Tell us about some of those times. Yeah. yeah. Also with the first one, um, which is really when I started the coaching business. And so, um, and that, and then we'll see where that goes. Um, <laughs> but I think the lowest point in my life, uh, I'd, I basically moved to Bangkok, uh, in 2013 to start a business. So I uh, built a travel company, uh, 
it did not work out. So I shut down the travel company. I turned it into this charity. Um, we just, we got some money for some funding and then we ran out of money. My business partner had to move back to the U S so I'm like in Bangkok, no reason to be there and just licking my wounds from the business failing. Um, and then this guy, this coach comes in to train me and, and the leaders that I'm working with in the charity on this coaching process. Mm-hmm. And that was a spark to, for me. And, you know, if, uh, I think if, as you've been trained as a coach, you know, like when you learn how to coach, they coach you right hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. this guy kicked me in the pants and he was like, you know what? Like Mac, what are you still doing here in Bangkok? And I'm like, oh, I don't know, <laughs> playing a small game, hiding from the world. And it's like, well, when's it, uh, When's it going to be a good time to dream a new dream? I'm like, go after yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, But that was the question I needed to go yeah. and then come back to Hong Kong to start this coaching business. Yeah. Now that so- sounds all dreamy and wonderful. And uh, the tough part about this is, is that the coaching business and building a coaching practice is a relationships business. Huh. And I moved back to a city where I knew nobody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I, I'd spent most of my savings doing this startup. So I came back to one of the most expensive cities in the world and had, I don't know, I'm probably the last 20 to 30,000 us in my bank account. Mm-hmm. I was just sort of like eating away at it. And, mm-hmm. um, but I had this like belief that I needed to be a coach. Like this is the plan a, there was no plan B and, you know, come hell or high water, I was going to make it happen. Yeah. Um, I found a cheapish place to live, but for two years, I mean, I didn't really make very much money. Mm-hmm. And I think the lowest point, there are a couple of low points. Uh, the one that I remember most vividly is I'm inside the kitchen of the, like my, like very tenement kind of pretty gross like <laughs> apartment. You know, it's like a, a green tile uh, kitchen with like fluorescent lighting. And I'm cooking on this like, you know, crappy stove. And my roommate comes in and he's like, hey, Mac. He's like, I got a question for you. Like, are you eating tofu because you like it or because it's cheap? And I'm like, a little column A, a little column B? Yeah. <laughs> And like, oh, this is bad, you know, like this is not, this could not be what life is about. Like I'm trying to spend less than a dollar a day on food so that I can like just squeeze out, you know, like another month. And I'm like, oh my God. And, uh, and that lasted for a little, you know, while longer and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not glamorous. I mean, and I think I'm so thankful that, uh, I got to do that when I didn't have a family and I got right. to do it when I was single. I didn't have to bring anybody through that, you know, very mm-hmm. painful process uh, because through that, you know, there's a lot of self doubt. There's a lot of like, did I make the wrong decision? You know, this is not the life I imagined, right. you know, like I'm sleeping on the ground on a mattress <laughs> and I'm 42 years old. What is wrong with me? Uh, and, uh, and so it's really tough. Um, and, you know, I think that the thing that really uh, strangely turned things around is that there was this one job that I applied for and uh, I applied for a role with the UN Mm. uh, to go work in Afghanistan. And it was a coaching like leadership role. 
to work with the Afghan national police around like uh, a civil rights approach to uh, to policing. (laughs) This is back in the day, like before, you know, (laughs) all of the things happened. And, you know, as some friends were like, are you sure you want to take this job or even apply? This sounds pretty crazy. You know, you're going to move to Kabul. Um, And uh, I don't even think my parents know this story. So, uh, (laughs) but it was funny. So they're going to find out right now. Uh, So I, I applied and I had to make this decision pretty quickly. They're like, oh, the application is closing in 48 hours. So you have to drop it in. Like, but you're going to be push at least to, you know, a fairly high point of list because like you're coming and recommended. Um, so I was like, okay, A, am I ready to like move to Kabul because I really believe in me as a coach right, right. that strongly? And there was this question of like, well, I mean, yeah, I guess why not? Right. Because if I really do believe that I'm good at this and I want to make a difference and mm-hmm. there's this job that would be a great fit for you, even though it's in Kabul. Uh, why not? And would you take a stand for yourself to say, I'm, I'm like, I'm jumping in this full board. Right. And so I applied. Uh, and what's funny is I made it to the, the short list and then I got an interview and then they went completely quiet. Ooh. And, uh, and I was like, Oh geez, like, am I moving to Kabul? Like, I don't know, like what's going on. And I, got a hold of my friend in the UN uh, a little while later, maybe like four or five months later. Uh, and I was like, Hey, what happened? She's like, Oh, you got the job. I was waiting for you to show up on the tarmac. And I was like, what, what? Uh, I was like, nobody ever called me. She's like, Oh, let me, let me uh, get back to you. And so it turns out that they had realized they'd done an assessment. They're like, well, they're not really ready for this type of policing. So we had to cancel the job wreck. I was like, Oh, Oh, so mm-hmm. I would have gone to Kabul. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely were the one that we wanted. And so that whole experience really changed my perspective, like my perceptive of like, okay, I think I'm really in, I'm like fully invested now. Mm-hmm. And so I think the way that I started talking about it, the way that I started like, yeah, talking to clients and potential clients about coaching, like who I was and what I could do for them and what, you know, what would happen when we started working together really changed. And and that I think that was really the propellant to get the business going here in Hong Kong. Oh, I love that story. I love it. And I always have people tell those type of moments because that's really the inspiration, right? That's really where you build your character and you find what you're made of is through those back against the wall moments. It's not the, oh, well, my business is here and, you know, it's successful and it's thriving is when it's not thriving and you're clawing and you're going, why am I sleeping on this mattress? Or why am I, you know, why am I back home with, you know, my sister on her couch? You know, you know, you're, those are the moments that you're like, okay. You know, cause I know I've had a few of them where I'm like, really? Oh my God. It's, I, I, am I doing this? It's like, why am I here? You know, but that's what really inspires and you know and that's what makes me want to do this podcast and talk to people because that is what makes people and and I hate the the society that we're in now with you know the millennials and the generation after because they think everything is so easy they think oh I can make a video on YouTube and I'll be this YouTuber and I can make millions of dollars and it's 
it doesn't happen like that because I got two teenagers that are like, oh, and I'm like, no, it doesn't happen like that. That's not the real world. Um, And, uh, you know, you think about the people, you know, like us who are entrepreneurs that, you know, you fail and fail. And, you know, I was listening to um, like Warren Buffett and he was saying that, Mm. yeah, you know, he he doesn't like invest or anything with people unless he knows they've like repeatedly failed, you know, and you know, people will look at him and think, oh yeah, he, you know, he only has like top tier people. No, he wants to know that you fail because that's where you learn. That's where you, you know, you're learning. You, yeah, you're failing. You're like, okay, that business didn't work. Let me try this again. Okay. Well that business didn't work. And pretty soon you're going to get to a point where you're like, okay, this is it. This is my sweet spot because me personally, that's what happened to me. I'm like, okay, yeah. let me do this. Okay. Well, no, that, that doesn't work so well. So then you finally get that to that spot where you're like, okay, this, this is me. This is what I was made to do, but you can't do that unless you go through those hard moments. And, you know, for the listeners out there listening, that's what I want the takeaway to be is, yeah, you, you know, you you can thrive and be a success, but you also have those bumps along the way that sometimes you may wonder whether or not you're going to make it. And there are a lot of really successful people who like have filed for bankruptcy or have really lost everything. And they've come back to really be on top of their game, but they had to go through those things. So thank you for sharing that with us, because that is important part. That's who you are. That's important part of your journey and your business. And that's something that I know you probably can convey over to your clients when you're coaching them, you can, you know, draw from those experiences. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's, I mean, I wish we didn't have to do it this way. You know, it would be a lot easier without the failure. Right. It's funny. (laughs) Like, Oh, I love failure. I'm like, do you like, I don't set out to fail, you know, but I'm thankful that I've had some. Right. But, you know, I think that's where there's this funny, you know, balance that we have to find, right? It's not that we aim to fail, right? I mean, we're not like looking for failure, right. but I think that we also need to have some like appreciation for it. And, and I think that's where, you know, I, um, I now sit, uh, you know, in terms of the, like, how to, how to deal with the success failure question, right? Like, yes. is anything success? Is anything really a failure? Yeah. yeah. It's, I guess it depends on how you look at it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Is it half full or half empty? Just depends. I don't know. (laughs) We're going to get to our questions, Mac. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Who or what motivates you? Uh, Yeah, making, let's see. I would say, yeah, making a difference and, and really, yeah, like meaning and having it has to have some meaning. I think that's, that's a big, maybe an easy way to answer that. Does that work? Okay. What yeah. demotivates you? Oh, uh, to hurt you, but it worked for your good. Oh, I think that question that my, uh, my coach asked me, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> when's it going to be a good time to dream a new dream Mac? Maybe now, (laughs) (laughs) right now, (laughs) or never. I never want to do that. I don't want to do it. What is your fear? 
Oh, what is my fear? Uh, of not, not recognizing that I'm worthy of being loved. Okay. Is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't? Had done something that I didn't. Um, let's see. Well, that's a good one. Did I have awareness about it? I think, I mean, I think. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> that's a great question. Um, I think, yeah, like right now, I, I think. Yeah, part of it is 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 how I'm showing up in my marriage, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, just really being more. Uh, I wish I would have been more uh, invested in me uh, yeah, and my wife, and and you know, and how we have gone through the last couple of years with our young children, and mm-hmm. and really focused more on her um, and and her well being. Okay, is there time that you wish you had not done something? Hmm. That's that's an easier one. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really happy about the way things have turned out. I think uh, you know, even the bad stuff, mm-hmm. you know, has always led to something interesting or, or, or you know, maybe good. But uh, right, yeah, yeah. Okay. What is your definition of success? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, it's freedom. And, and in the sense of, I want to be able to choose how I spend my time, whether it's with my family, whether it's doing meaningful work, whether it's uh, with friends. Um, and I don't want to be, yeah, I, I don't want to be tied down to maybe like a company's obligations of like me doing work for them. So I think, you know, like that's, it feels that feels very successful where I have financial freedom and, and also that time freedom. Yeah. Yeah. How do you recharge? Uh, let's see. Uh, I live off of, I live in an Island. Uh, so I get to look at the ocean every day. Um, there's you know hiking trails. Um, so I think being by myself, uh, I've started doing some meditation recently. So that has been really helpful and just grounding, um, and, uh, and then also with friends, like I, I'm an extrovert and I, I really enjoy being with people. Uh, I like experiencing new things so that this whole lack of travel has really been <laughs> crimping that down. So I've needed to find new ways to recharge because, uh, yeah, that, that new, the newness of being immersed in something mm-hmm. is, is really something that, that fills me up. What are you awesome at? I'm awesome I think I'm awesome at creating and holding space for people uh, in a safe way so that they feel safe and, and held so that they can talk about the things that matter most to them. Hmm. What legacy do you want to leave? Uh, I think as just a great father, uh, a kind person and somebody who just wanted to yeah, leave this world a little bit better than he found it. Great. Tell the listeners how they can connect with you if they want to work with you and whatever else you got going on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So you can uh, find me at my website, which is macling.com, M-A-C-L-I-N-G.com. I'm also on Instagram. I think it's coach underscore Mac underscore Ling. 
Um, and uh, yeah, and I think if you're interested in learning more about how to do that unpacking and how to do that finding of acceptance for yourself, I'd love to talk to you because I think there's there's a richness in life that opens up once you start to do that. And, and I'd love to help you find it. Great. Well, Mac, thank you for being on Trina Talk. It's been a great conversation. Um, enjoyed it. And just thank you for taking your time. Yeah, thanks, Trina. I've really enjoyed the conversation. You had some beautiful, beautiful questions and really uh, just I love the energy. And, and thanks so much. I want to thank my guests for being on the show. And I want to thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. And don't forget to tune in next week.